On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be talking a little KU football. They've had a couple recent additions, transfer portal, a couple high school commits. We'll break that down before we get into uh, some more basketball stuff later in the week here with Locked on Jayhawks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, 3 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we are going to be talking a little KU football. They've had a couple recent additions that we haven't had a chance to go over yet with uh, one at the running back position from the transfer portal and a couple high school commits also. This episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. So we'll uh, break down Dylan McDuffie, who's uh, the big addition here from the transfer portal. McDuffie is a six foot, 215 pound running back from Buffalo, New York. He uh, originally went to Buffalo. He was recruited there with the Lance Leipold staff, brought over. Played sparingly the first few years. He was behind guys like uh, Jared Patterson and I think it was Kevin Marks, the other really good running back they had there. And that was until his fourth season. So that was uh, the year after Lance Leipold left and year one of Lance Leipold with Kansas. And McDuffie stuck around at Buffalo. And in that 2021 season, in his fourth year of college ball, he ran for over 1,000 yards. He averaged over five yards per carry. He had 11 rushing touchdowns, 12 total touchdowns when you add in his one receiving touchdown. So very productive running back at the University of Buffalo. And obviously you look at having the ties to this staff with Kansas and knowing what the scheme that Andy Kotelnicki wants or what they want from their running back. Like that's something that this guy knows. So uh, you would expect his transition coming over to Kansas. Obviously, you know, maybe some of the things they're running now aren't the exact same as they were running to Buffalo, but it should be a little more seamless than maybe some other transfers who had to come over and take some time to get to know the playbook and schematics and some of the verbiage that the different coaching staff has. You would imagine this will be a little bit more seamless there. Um, so last year, after that really good season at Buffalo, he ends up transferring to Georgia Tech and um, didn't get as much playing time. Ended up with 22 carries for the season. Not super effective, 45 yards for kind of a, a middling Georgia Tech team a season ago. And so he entered the transfer portal again. And this will be his sixth season upcoming to college football. I believe it'll be his final season. Uh, he ended up picking Charlotte. But KU kept working on him. He had the ties with him previously being under the Leipold staff. And um, eventually KU flipped him and earned a commitment from him to come to KU. So as far as his individual role, obviously we talk about this all the time. It's Leipold and his staff want everything to be a competition. And so realistically, everything is an open competition that if somebody does way better than the other person, like they're going to give that guy playing time. But a uh, perfect example, like last year, you bring in Kai Thomas and Savion Morrison, Daniel Highshot beat him out in competition, right? Um, So realistically, this guy can compete for anything. And Daniel Highshaw, I would imagine he'll be fully healthy by the time we get to spring ball. Like there were rumors of if he could have even played for the bowl game. Um, so by the time we get to spring ball, you'd imagine he's healthy. But let's say 
Daniel Hyshaw comes back, and even though he's healthy enough to play, he has to shake the rust off a little bit. And maybe that leads to a guy like Dylan McDuffie being able to beat him out in competition. Um, maybe a guy like Savion Morrison still isn't ready to take on that bigger handle this season. And maybe he can beat out him. Um, maybe he can be playing some of those real snaps because we know those top two running backs are going to play a ton for KU. Whereas if you're the third or fourth string, it's going to be more about if guys get injured in front of you, you're more there for depth. Like you'll get a couple carries in a game, maybe a couple touches. But for the most part, it's more about depth. If guys get injured, guys get tired. I think what's more likely, though, is you look at Devin Neal coming back, being the go-to guy. You look at Daniel Highshaw coming back, and you expect him to um, be fully healthy by the time the season comes around, since his injury would put him back You know, practicing with the team in December. He'll have had nine months between them and the start of the season to shake that rust off. That You expect him to be the other running back. And so realistically, it's between him and Savion Morrison for kind of that first running back depth spot, Tory Lachlan as well. With Savion Morrison kind of that all-purpose type of back, like get jet sweeps, more of a speed back with Dylan McDuffie, maybe more of that traditional back, so kind of different roles for the two guys. But um, I guess that's the big competition between those two for being the first depth piece in case Devin Neal gets injured, which we saw him get injured his freshman season at the end of the year. We saw him get nicked up at different points through this season. We saw, obviously, Daniel Hyshaw get injured uh, this past year with the the hip injury, we saw him uh, have the injury before the the previous season. So, you know, running backs get injured; they take a lot of hits. Even if you're the third or fourth string, you're going to at some point have some sort of carries or some sort of role for this team, and that'll be the battle between him and Savion Morrison, I would imagine, for that spot for basically running back depth. And if there is any injuries, if there is any fatigue, if there is a player that gets sick, um, you take some carries here or there in addition to that. But then you kind of move into being the guy. Basically, what this is. It gives you running back insurance from a very proven and from a veteran college running back and have a a, a guy come in who it's his last year of play. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about a situation where he is a veteran. He's a mature player that if he ends up being the third string, how is he going to handle that? Like, obviously, I'm sure, you know, he wants more time, but um, you have less to worry about there. And then it's like, oh, well, he's not going to transfer again after this. Like we brought him in for one last season. So um, individual role could vary anywhere from being, you know, a backup running back who's who's getting double digit touches if injuries happen to being a guy who's just there for insurance to give you peace of mind who's getting a few touches every game. As far as the team impact, uh KU needed to replace Kai Thomas, lost him in the transfer portal um to Kent State, I believe is where he ended up going to. And so you needed more depth and coverage. Like, let's not forget about the Kansas State game. Ideally, you say that, well, two running backs, that's going to be what we need to get to the season. Maybe a third is the spare. But realistically, you probably want four or five to feel comfortable about. And this allows Kansas to have that. The Kansas State game that I brought up, Devin Neal kind of gets nicked up at different points. So he wasn't able to play as much as maybe he would have wanted to or would have hoped in the game against Kansas State. Um, Savion Morrison. I think it was sick the week of the Kansas State game. Kai Thomas was still kind of banged up with injury. And then um, you had, obviously, Daniel Hyshaw out at that point with the dislocated hip that he suffered against um, earlier in the season with, uh, what was it, Iowa State. And so you had Tory Lachlan. It's kind of been that running back, receiver, hybrid, like special teams, really important play for, player for you, glue guy type had to fill in a running back and, and played admirably. He did have a fumble, but he had some other big highlight plays for you. Um, but then you really had no depth behind that. And so you want to make sure that you're covering your bases with that depth. And that's the most important part here. 
regardless of how that depth works out, of who's the first, second, third, fourth string. You needed to add another guy so that you could get down to that. You know, now Tory Lachlan being the fifth running back, you feel a lot better about the depth there. Um, and so if Dylan McDuffie ends up getting a handful of carries and outperforms somebody in camp and earns those carries, then great, because that means that he's going to probably be a really good player if he outperformed some other running backs that we are very high on and are very talented. Um, if he ends up being a third string or fourth string that's only coming in there when guys get injured or is just getting a few carries a game, that's great too because that means other guys are healthy and you are covered where even you feel like when you are going to your third or fourth string running back, you have a lot of talent and skill there, and that's really important for this team. So uh, big pickup with Dylan McDuffie. Even if he's not going to be the go-to guy at running back, you needed to cover some of these positions. Uh, we're going to get on to what we expect the running back room to look like now in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked on because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlays. You can bet on the Chiefs. You know, you're not going to get many Chiefs games where they're, you know, only one point favorites or even one point dogs, depending when you get the spread. Um, for the game against the Bengals, though Patrick Holmes on the injured ankle, maybe you want to bet on a player prop like Isaiah Pacheco to get over rushing yards. You can bet on the next KU game at Kentucky if you think they're going to bounce back in basketball. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Basketball fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet. Get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on it. So that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting sportsbook partner of the NFL. Okay, what does the running back room look like now for KU? Uh, I talked about Devin Neal. He comes back. You expect him to be the starter. Daniel Hyshaw was basically splitting carries with Devin Neal when he was healthy. Kind of expect that again. Dylan McDuffie, Savion Morrison competing for those other spots. Tory Lachlan, kind of a glue guy. You might play him a bunch on special teams. You might play him some as like a slot receiver. You might play him some as your backup running back. Just does a little bit of everything for you. So is this room better, worse, or the same than it was a season ago? Well, I think you have to start here. If you're just comparing doing the player-to-player comps, you would think, hypothetically, Devin Neal is a junior, should be better than Devin Neal is a sophomore, right? Another year in the strength and conditioning program, uh, another year to you know gain weight or add muscle to your game, another year to, I don't know, just you know understand the offense better or just grow as a player overall. And he was always a young guy to begin with who came in when he was like 17 years old as a freshman. So uh, maybe exponential growth for Devin Neal here. So you would expect he's better. Daniel Highshot, that one is interesting. Because in theory, again, another year of college, you'd expect him to be better. But what if the dislocated hip takes more time to shake the rust off? Or, you know, sometimes there are injuries that guys never get back to being the same. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor on how the dislocated hip affects long-term health. Um, let's just say Daniel Highshaw is the same, just so that we're kind of hedging the bet between the two. Then you look at Savion Morrison. He should be better this year. Another year in the offense. Another year learning what he needs to do with the team. Um, so why would he not be better this year than he was last year? Tory Lachlan, uh, maybe he's more of like the high floor player that you don't expect to just like exponentially be a lot better this year. But at the very worst, he's the same than he was last year. So then the only difference you have between this and last year's team is Dylan McDuffie 
versus Kai Thomas. And, you know, if it's the Kai Thomas we saw in Minnesota, then I don't know, I guess that's probably a downgrade there. But Kai Thomas struggled with injuries all year. And the Kai Thomas that you got at Kansas, why can't Dylan McDuffie outperform that? Now, certainly the stats aren't going to jump off the page for Kai Thomas. And you would say, yes, Dylan McDuffie should be able to outdo that. I do think Kai Thomas suffered a bit from not just the injury stuff, but also it felt like there were a lot of plays where the offensive line didn't block on the plays that he happened to be in there that, um, you know, he would break two tackles and pick up like one or two yards. So that does matter there. But I, I do think that if you just look at the, you know, skill itself, like maybe Kai Thomas is better, but in terms of the output, why can't Dylan McDuffie provide what you got from Kai Thomas, if not more? So you go across the board there, and at the very least, it should be the same to what you had last year. But I kind of think it's going to be better than it was last season. And you never know what's going to happen in the spring. Like, what if somebody else transfers away from the program? Like, how does that hurt it? Or uh, what deficiencies would that leave you with? But at the very worst, it's the same. And it was already a good position last year. But it's probably going to be even a better group than it was a season ago which is uh, very exciting when you look at it that way. All right, we're going to uh, take another time out here with Locked On Jayhawks. When we come back, we're going to finish up with a couple of KU football's latest high school commits here with the show with Locked On Jayhawks. All right, back for Locked On Jayhawks. KU nabbing a couple of high school commits late, uh, lately. First, we'll just talk about briefly. This one just happened uh, on Monday night. Ethan Vidral. He is a linebacker from the uh, Nebraska Omaha area. Um, doesn't have like a rating on like twenty four seven sports yet. I don't know if this is a scholarship or if this is like a preferred walk on. His brother is a quarterback at Rutgers. He had interest from some like Ivy League schools in Stanford, but again, I don't know to what level those are scholarships for his walk ons. But uh, regardless of what you're doing, you know, if you're Kansas, it's not just about the scholarships. It's can you build up the local recruiting base with some of those preferred walk-ons. So either way, nice pickup for KU to add to linebacker room, which certainly they're going to need uh, help and continued development down the road. Um, the big one that they got is Jacoby Davis. He's a three-star corner from the state of Texas. He's more of what you'd think of like a nickel or slot corner because he's five foot nine, 175 pounds. He comes in as like a three-star recruit. He's top 900 overall if you look at on three. He's top 800 overall if you look at 24-7 sports. As far as the size goes, going to be interesting to see how Kansas handles you know down the road smaller corners because um, you have a guy like O.J. Burroughs who's more of a safety type. But what are you going to do about the corners? Because like Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson have pretty good length for for the corner positions. They're, they're certainly uh, thinner types, but um, that'll be something that, you know, you look at, and if you're Kansas, you just take a good player, however you can get him. But that would probably profile more to being kind of that nickel slot type corner, hypothetically. But uh, then again, in college football, there's less teams that maybe take advantage of the size. So, you know, there's going to be a few teams like you look at Iowa State always has the big receivers, but maybe he can play on the outside. Uh, nonetheless, I think the most impressive part when you're looking at his like recruiting profile is the other offers that he had. I know some people were saying he had an offer to Georgia. I, I don't know. Maybe yes, no. Uh, he had an offer to Michigan, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Baylor, Houston, which is where he's from, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Utah, who's done really well with corners and developing those guys into being NFL players. So that's you know one that sticks out to me, and, and on and on and on the, the list goes. You never really know how real any offer is because there are, there are certain schools that, 
you know, or high level schools that they'll offer kids that are maybe three stars and they're still going after a four or five star and they'll tell the three star, Hey, we're going to offer you, but it's contingent on if this four or five star kid picks the other school and then we'll come back to you. You're our backup plan. Basically. Um, there are also offers sometimes where it's like, um, Hey, if you come to our school and commit right now, we'll stop recruiting this other kid. Cause we like you but we don't like you enough to stop recruiting this other kid unless you just give us a commitment right now. Sometimes that can be used in like the recruiting game just to get a, a quick commit. But sometimes offers, you, you never really know like what's realistic for, of, of a guy coming in and eventually being an impact player versus what's a team just trying to like add depth or just basically have a backup plan. But when you have that many good offers, kind of like it, it's one thing if it's like oh he had an offer from georgia and then kent state and miami of ohio you know what i mean to have that many good offers like that kind of tells you that yeah a lot of schools really wanted this kid and he is very good so that's a very good uh list to have there and kind of tells you the potential and the type of player this kid is um i don't really expect him to play in year one now it's not impossible because if you're that talented and that good like kansas as much I guess as better as they've been like last year than the year before, they're still not in a position to where like they're going to turn down talent playing on the field because they want to go with the veteran or the experienced guy. But I do think Kansas has enough back at the corner position. Um, and even if he was converted to a safety, which I don't know that that'll be the case, I still wouldn't expect it because you look at the corner position, Melo Dotson back, Kobe Bryant back after being an all big 12 first team performer, and you expect him to be a star headed into his junior year. Kalen Gervin back as a very experienced player that can play for you as your third corner. You added Demarius McGee, who was the transfer from LSU, who maybe he'll be more college ready since he's already spent two years of college. Um, so it's probably going to be tough for Davis to hit the field consistently, but maybe redshirt him in year one. You know, he plays four games, takes a red shirt. And, you know, recruiting isn't always about the now. A lot of it is about the future. And this kid who you would expect to have an impact in the future. So all of a sudden you get down the road and in 2024, Kalen Gervin's gone. Well, now you need a third corner to maybe be that slot or nickel guy. Maybe it's Demarius McGee. Maybe it's Jacoby Davis. Or maybe, you know, it takes till 2025. And at that point, Kobe Bryant's gone and Kalen Gervin's gone. And now you have Demarius McGee as one of your corners and Jacoby Davis is in the slot. Um, this is as much about the future as anything, but he certainly adds to what should be a very good secondary for KU and just adds some more talent into that back level. And it gives you youth to combine with the talent that you feel like now with the combination of McGee, who's got a couple of years left with Jacoby Davis coming on and some of the other high school recruits that they've brought in on already, that you feel like you're, you're kind of covering your bases for the future of the secondary, even while right now you feel good about the secondary. Um, so big commit for KU. He's one of KU's highest rated commits and you would expect him to eventually be an impact player for KU. But again, year one might be a little tough with some of the guys in front of him. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Um, as you can tell, I am continually losing my voice. Um, so I'm going to try to do an episode tomorrow, kind of detailing some of the past times that KU has lost three straight losses, what's gone on in some of those seasons. But um, if I lose my voice even more, who knows if that'll come out or not. Then on Friday, we'll uh, try to preview the KU Kentucky game. If you have anything you want to talk about or have any questions, hit me up at D Johnson radio on Twitter. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe there. Hit the like button. Also give us a five star review on 
uh, the many ways you can find our podcast. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today. Till then, have a good one. Bye.